Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Dr. Anne-Sophie Barwick is a cognitive scientist and assistant professor in the Department of History and Philosophy of Science and Medicine at Indiana University in Bloomington, and author of a book called Smellosophy, Smellosophy, What the Nose Tells the Mind. She recently, in the last couple weeks, wrote an article about COVID's effect on smell and taste, and some of you may have experienced that. Dr. Barwick said it took months of discussion before medical experts added loss of smell to the official list of COVID-19 symptoms. Principal objection against using smell as a clinical marker was that it appeared merely anecdotally, meaning there hadn't been sufficient uh, systematic studies establishing the link between smell loss and COVID-19 infection. However, now we have learned that at least half or more of patients worldwide with confirmed COVID were diagnosed with full-blown anosmia. You might want to add that word to your lexicon, anosmia. Germany reported, and that just means the loss of smell, Germany reported that more than two in three patients with confirmed COVID-19 had anosmia, and even more striking is that 98% of COVID-19 patients were exhibiting a variety of smell dysfunctions, including the reduced smelling ability or complete uh, loss of smell. Dr. War- Borwick, Barwick excuse me, states that smell plays a far more prominent role in our lives than we give it credit for. Many people don't immediately recognize that they've lost their sense of smell, but instead report that they've lost their sense of taste. And most of what we think of as taste in our food is actually due to the smelling of our food. And so when you chew your food, there is an aroma that comes from that that goes into your sense of smell and it causes you to think that your food tastes a certain way. But in actuality, it is more created by smell. Your tongue detects salty, sweet, bitter, sour, savory, and according to recent study, fatty. There are no taste buds that taste the flavor mint, or you don't have taste buds that taste the taste of strawberry or vanilla. These flavors are created with that ability for you to smell the food inside 
of your mouth. And it's a sort of a second sense of smell. And this morning, I want to discuss our senses and speak to you on the subject, the seventh sense, the seventh sense. We are taught in biology, the human being is made up of how many senses? Five, right? These senses are our ability of our nerves and our brain to receive and react to stimuli. So we have five physical reactionary senses. They are sight, hearing, tasting, smelling, and touch. There is also a sixth sense, not the ability to see dead people, that they say is a power of perception beyond the five senses. It is known as intuition, the intuitive power. They say mothers often have an intuition about their children. It's an internal feeling or an emotional sense. And these six senses are the power of perception in our world. We react according to these senses. We react according to how our senses have perceived the world around us. When someone turns on the light, when you are sleeping in pitch darkness, your eyes receive the stimuli and your body responds usually with not so pleasant words. And when you smell something burning and you're not at a campsite because you're in the kitchen, it usually causes you to react or respond. And if it's your wife's cooking, you usually say something like, honey, that smells so good. What are you making? Oh, you're making chicken. Great. I, I really love my chicken blackened just like that. Or when you're at a potluck dinner and your sixth sense tells you that after your third dessert, you shouldn't have any more. But then you hear Someone say how good the pie is. And you go over and you think, I'll just look at the pie. And then you smell the pie. And it just came out of the oven. And so before you know it, you've touched the pie and you've tasted the pie. And we can look at a lot of decisions in our life that we make and we can see that our senses determined the decisions that we made. The cars that we drive, we drive them a lot of times because of the way they look. Anybody ever bought a car just because it looked good? Or maybe it sounded good. There's a certain sound you like to hear. The food we eat. I cannot lose weight 
because of the way food smells. They call it COVID-19 because we're going to gain at least 19 pounds during this stretch. Food just has a way of causing us to make decisions. The people we date and marry, we made because of our senses. We see that our worldview is built on knowledge that is gained from these six senses. These senses are our perception on life. It has been said that perception is reality. And our perception truly does become our reality. Your perception of the world becomes the real world to you. And how you perceive things to be will determine how you respond to life. But I want to submit to us today that our perception and our reality are not always the truth. Our perception that has become our reality is not always the truth. Now, thousands of years ago, the world was thought to be a flat piece of land from horizon to horizon. And unfortunately, there are people today who continue to think that the world is flat. We won't deal with that today. But thousands of years ago, people thought that. And because of that perception, that was their reality Many people who were talented and gifted, they were explorers. They had knowledge of plant life and sea life. Never saw more than their reality and worldview would allow them. We can see now that the world is round and we won't fall off the edge of the earth because we're held to this earth by a gravitational pull from the spinning of the earth. But... There were men and women who were afraid to travel. They stayed in their space. It was their perception that became their reality, but it wasn't true. Not only have we been able to overcome the fear of travel, but we've overcome the fear of speed. In the late 1800s, it was believed that a human would die if they traveled too fast. It was believed that at the speed of 50 miles per hour, one might melt. Some of you drove in this parking lot faster than that. And while perception was their reality at the time, it wasn't true. And so this year, the SpaceX Dragon with NASA astronauts traveled to outer space at a speed of 17,500 miles per hour. Overcoming the gravitational pull and flying around the world into space. Point is that we must be aware and understand 
that our immediate perception of things is not always true. Your perception of things that become your reality, that keep you in a box sometimes, is not always true. In Genesis chapter 27, we read a story about the patriarch Isaac, who was passing on a blessing to his son Esau. And we read about it, and he calls out to Esau, Isaac has two sons, they're twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau is the oldest. He came out of the womb first, so he was considered the one to get the blessing. And so Isaac is getting to the point, he feels like he's getting ready to die, and he wants to pass on this blessing. And so Isaac gives some instructions to Esau about how he wants to eat, something prepared from Esau, and he's going to pass on a blessing. I want us to look at this at Genesis chapter 27. Verse number one, came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Everyone say he could not see. That he called Esau, his elder son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow. Go out to the field and hunt game for me. Make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. So Esau leaves and he goes out to get this food, and to prepare it for his father so he could receive a blessing. So Rebecca, Isaac's wife, Jacob and Esau's mother, she seemed to like her son Jacob more than Esau. Now, I don't know if there are any parents in here who have a child you like more. I'm sure not. Everyone is on equal, equal footing. But you might. You might resonate with Rebecca today where you've just got a child you like a little bit more for whatever reason. I don't. They're all my favorites. So Rebecca overhears Isaac telling Esau, hey, go out, I want to bless you. And she says, I want Jacob to receive this blessing. And so she decides that she's going to help him. Verse 5 of Genesis 27, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. And so she creates a plan in which she will prepare a meal that will be just like Esau would make, and she's going to give it to Jacob, and Jacob is going to take this meal into his father. But before he could go into his father, there's a pretty big distinction between Jacob and Esau, and that is Esau had a lot of hair on his body, 
most likely his arms and hands, the Bible says, and Jacob did not. And so they understood this. How are we going to trick Isaac into giving this blessing? And so she tells him to put on Esau's clothes and to put some wool on his hands and neck and go into Jacob and pretend that he is Esau. If you have to put wool on your body to pretend you're somebody, that's significant. He was a man. Esau was a man's man. And so I wore a beard for that reason, Sister Varnum. I just wanted to feel like a man up here today. And so he put on the wool, and he walks in. The food was prepared. He's dressed up, and he enters the room, and I imagine that he's a little bit terrified, a little bit concerned. You see, Isaac is blind, and so he's walking in cautiously, and he makes his way into the room where his father's sitting, and I imagine him slowly approaching And probably his heart was beating fast, and the scripture tells us he went into his father. Jacob goes in and he says, probably in a deeper tone, trying to be like Esau, my father. (laughs) And Isaac probably looked a little bit like, okay. And he says, Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Now, Jacob's have come a long way, haven't they, Lauren? They're no longer liars. But he straight up says, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. And so therefore, all mothers say that statement is true. We are like the Lord. We are amazing. But no, he The mother brought the food. Jacob here is lying again. The Lord brought it to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He's struggling because what he's hearing and what he's feeling is different, and he can't make sense of the contradiction of what's going on with his senses. And so he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul may bless you, 
So he brought it near to him and he ate. He tasted. And he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. And he said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. The story deals with our senses. The story is wrapped up in those five senses. Isaac heard the voice that sounded like Jacob. Isaac smelled the food that smelled like the food that Esau would prepare. Isaac tasted the food that would taste like Esau's food. And Isaac felt Jacob's arms, and they felt like Esau's arms. That sense, though, that changed everything was that Isaac was blind. It changed the whole outcome of the story. He felt like Esau. The food tasted like Esau's. It smelled like Esau's. The voice was like Jacob's. He's trying to make sense of it, but he can't make sense of it because he cannot see. And this story illustrates to us in both a physical sense and in a spiritual sense that of all the senses, seeing is the most critical. Science tells us that we Of all the impressions that we receive from our senses, 80% of all of them come from sight. Sight is man's richest sense. The ability to see has the greatest effect on how we react and respond to life around us. If I were to describe for you a car wreck, And I described in great detail and horror, describing the crumpled car and the broken glass and maybe even a description of the scene with those who were in the wreck. It would not have the nearly the same effect as if you had come up on the scene yourself and had witnessed it with your own eyes. It's the same reason that we have missionaries who come and they tell us their missionary stories and they tell us the wonderful things and amazing things that are happening and we get a sense, there's a sense of draw to what's happening. But what really impacts people's lives and when they, is when they go on the mission field and they see the church in the jungle or they're sitting with the kids who don't have anything. There's something about our sight That is so powerful. And Isaac was trying to pass on a blessing. He was trying to give away his most cherished possession. But because of his loss of vision, he was not able to properly perceive who he was giving the blessing to. And because Isaac could not see, he could not properly discern. And therefore, he was deceived. His loss of vision. Hear me today. His loss of vision made him rely on his feelings. His loss of vision 
made him rely on his feelings of what was right and what was wrong. The voice didn't sound right. There was, seemed to be a contradiction, but his lack of sight allowed him to be deceived by what he felt. And we find this same struggle in our lives today. We find ourselves deceived by feelings because we can't properly see. It's not that we can't see with our natural eye, but we are deceived by our feelings and our emotions because we do not see spiritually. We can have a sense that, you know what, the voices in this world are, are not right. It's contrary to the word of God. But we become deceived by what we feel. And it doesn't always feel wrong. It doesn't always feel like I, I, I shouldn't do this. Sometimes it feels right. Hear me today. Sometimes we get lost in how things feel. And I would argue today that we sometimes live our life by feeling rather than by spiritual vision. Romans chapter 12, verse number one, tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need our minds transformed because if we simply live by our six senses, we're going to be deceived spiritually because we're going to live by how we feel. My feelings can deceive me. It can deceive me into thinking even that no one around me is interested in God. We, we think we have conversations with people. They don't want to hear about God. You should hear what my coworkers are saying about Christianity. You should hear what they're saying. You should smell the alcohol and drugs on them. My intuition tells me that they don't even like me. And they know I'm a Christian. And we can be deceived by our feelings. Even within the walls of the church, we too often base our participation in a service on how we're feeling. We find ourselves not worshiping or praying because our senses are not sensing anything. We're tired, we're offended, we're scattered, we're discouraged, and we're living this life through our emotions and our feelings. And my present reality and my physical senses have limited my perception. It's limited my perception of what's really happening. It limits my ability to help people when I feel this sense of, you know, discouragement or I feel this sense of being scattered or even not well. 
I can say, you know what, I, I don't think these people really need me to encourage them. Or we have this sense that we step back and say, you know what, I, I just don't feel like worshiping God really. And we become trapped and we become limited by our perception. But I want to tell you today, I believe there is another sense. I propose today that there is a seventh sense. It is not a carnal sense. It is not a natural sense. It's not a physical sense or a fleshly sense, but it's a spiritual sense. And I contend today that the seventh sense, simply put, is spiritual vision. The scripture says in Proverbs 29 in the English Standard Version, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. We need, I submit, a prophetic vision. We don't just need a natural vision. We don't just need natural perception. We don't just need an emotional intelligence. We need a spiritual, a prophetic vision. Because if we only see what our senses allow us to see, we will miss seeing what God is doing around us. Can I tell you today, when you walked in this place, there was a lot more going on than your natural senses were telling you. I don't know how you felt when you walked in this place. I don't know what you saw when you walked in this place. I don't know what you heard when you walked in this place. But I'm telling you, outside of that, there's something happening in this place. God is working among us. He's in this place. Oh, hallelujah. You see, the power of this is illustrated in the Old Testament when the prophet Elisha was surrounded by the enemy in 2 Kings 6, verse 15. It says, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? I, I want you to know today we live in a culture that says, what shall we do? We're surrounded by what seems like an army of evidence uh, that this world is just a mess, uh, that God is somehow absent from this world. But I'm telling you today that if our our only perception is a natural perception. We'll miss what God is doing. And this servant could only see the army around him. He could only see the natural. And you and I pick up the newspapers. We read on our phones. We read on the internet. We click on links on Facebook. And we're surrounded. We're surrounded by trouble. We're surrounded by hatred. We're surrounded by negativity. We're surrounded by it. But Elisha said, listen, that's not the only thing going on here. I want to tell somebody, it's not the only thing going on here, what you're reading in the news. The election is not the only thing going on here. God is working. God is working in this world. 
And if you only live by your perception, you'll miss it and you'll be discouraged and you'll sit back and say, there's no way that God could work in this environment. And I'm telling you today, as Elisha said, he prayed, Lord, open the eyes of my servant. And I pray that today, God, open the eyes of the Calvary Church. Open the eyes of the Calvary Church because God is working. God is working. God is working. I don't want to be limited by my perception. I don't want to be limited by what I just see in the world, what Facebook tells me, what Twitter tells me, what Instagram tells me. No, God is much bigger than that. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You see, the servant's reality did not match the truth. It was his reality. His perception caused his reality, but it wasn't true. And his inability to spiritually discern and see created fear and it created intimidation. Hear me today. It created fear and it created intimidation. And that's the world we live in. Fear and intimidation. Fear and intimidation. That's what sells newspapers. That's what makes politics effective. It's fear and intimidation. It's the script. It's the only script that the enemy has, fear and intimidation. But that's not the only thing happening in this world. Oh, hallelujah. And so we have to have this seventh sense. It's this faith. Faith to believe. Faith to see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so Paul would say, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, hallelujah. Our ability to go where God wants us to go will not come outside of faith. I'm always grateful to see Sister Martha Burton in our service. She inspires me like nobody else. And I know when you went to Venezuela, there were times when it looked like in your own abilities, natural abilities, that God was not able to intervene. But I've heard your stories. I know that there was times when you just had to walk by faith. Walk by faith. And you and I are the exact same way. We have to walk by faith and not by our six senses. Oh, hallelujah. As I come to a close today, what I realize about vision is that light is necessary for vision. What is it that causes people to lose their eyesight? There's different reasons or different things that cause it, but it's one main symptom. Their eyes can no longer receive light. Something is stopping light from coming into their eyes. The Bible verifies this fact in a spiritual sense when Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If you're allowing goodness in your life, 
You're allowing righteousness in your life to prevail. Light comes in. The Bible says that we, we receive faith by hearing the word of God. Light comes into us through this word. But he said, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so Psalm chapter 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my path. So if we want to see spiritually, we have to allow spiritual light to come into our souls. If there's something in your life that is keeping the word of God out, I'm not talking that you just don't hear the word of God. But if something is keeping you from walking by the word of God, I challenge you to make a way for light to invade your life. Because it's the only way that we can survive in a spiritual sense in this world. It's to allow God's light to shine in complete darkness. John wrote this about Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. He was the word. He was the thought of God. He was in the beginning, the thought and expression of God. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Light. How are you letting light invade your life? And so faith is what enables us. Putting our faith in Jesus Christ enables us to receive that light. Paul said to the church in Rome, we talked about this in a recent growth university, but he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God. How is the righteousness of God revealed to us? How does God make us righteous and whole? From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews would tell us without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ have you put your complete faith in Jesus Christ? Not just faith that says, God, I wish you would get me out of my mess. But a faith that says, God, I'm trusting you for my eternal salvation. 
I'm not just trusting you to get me out of a predicament in this life, but I'm living my days knowing that there is a day coming where it's my faith that's going to move me to be in eternity with Jesus Christ. Without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Would you stand with me today? What is your circumstance today? What is it today that's causing you to feel as if you're surrounded? What are your senses telling you that's bringing discouragement to your spiritual life? What is it? It sounds simple. But it's so profound. What God calls on us to do is simply believe. Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Some of you are surrounded by some financial concerns that surround you completely. There are things going on in your world where the army finances surrounding you. What's amazing about Elisha's work with the servant was it wasn't that the army just went away right away. But what he wanted his servant to know that what you're seeing is not the entire picture. And some of you are journeying through life, you're going through some struggle, you're going through some difficult things, even in your body, in your emotions, in your mind, all these things are happening. But my prayer today is that somehow you could open your eyes, have your eyes opened so you can see that God really does have the world in the palm of his hand. He's walking with you. When the enemy has you surrounded, he's got the enemy surrounded. He's got it. And so my responsibility is simply to put my faith. I say, God, I'm going to trust you. I still see the enemy, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to cast my cares upon you. And if you have not secure your eternity with Jesus Christ. If you have not repented of your sins, you have not turned from a life of sin and started following Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that. And it seems overwhelming sometimes. How am I going to do that? I know my struggles. I know the things that are going on in my world. I, I know, I know that I can't do it. No, you're not supposed to do it. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. When we're baptized in his name, he gives us his name. When we feel are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
It's God's empowerment. It's his grace in our life to help us. All we have to do is believe in him, put our confidence in him. So I want to pray for you this morning. I feel the burden of the Lord today. I know some of you are surrounded. I know some of you are surrounded. There's a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. You're feeling it. But I'm telling you today that there is a seventh sense that we walk by, and we walk by faith. Walk by faith. I wonder if you'd lift your hands to the Lord. I wonder if you'd surrender to him and say, God, this morning, this morning, I'm putting my faith again in you. That faith to faith. That I'm trusting you, Lord, with what I don't understand. I'm believing you, Lord, for the things that I cannot see. The enemy has brought discouragement into your life, but we're going to worship God and say, God, you're bigger than any trouble in my life. And Lord, if I have to walk as Paul walked, and if there's a thorn in my flesh that won't go away, I'm praying today, Lord, you would give me the grace that your strength is made perfect in weakness, that your grace is sufficient in my life, that I'm not going to walk by my feelings. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk by faith. If I'm in a prison cell, it's in faith. If I'm prospering, it's in faith. If I'm struggling, Lord, in my finances, I'm going to do it with faith. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.